We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all of your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember to subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play tune in stitcher and spotify and of course you can always check us out at cheeseheadtv.com i I'm your host today, Maggie Loney, and I'm joined by co-host Andrew Mertig. It's a Friday show, Andrew. I'm trying to do my Kyle impression as best as I can. It's good to be back <laughs> together. How are you? Then you have to do the welcome back. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it, it was kind of a rough day today, but then I uh, was reminded that we get to talk some football, and we don't have to do it with Kyle. So both of those things made me a lot happier. I'm just kidding uh kyle will be back next week and and we appreciate that but yeah we we get to talk about the next two matchups for for the packers today so um super pumped to keep the series going yeah i know when i'm in a bad mood all i want to do is think about the washington commanders so <laughs> but but we have spent the last five weeks obviously looking at the packers 2022 opponents and their off seasons and the changes that they made trying to get, you know, an accurate look at these teams going into the teams that we expect Green Bay to see to kick off the 2022 season. So, of course, we started with the NFC North, with the Lions, the Bears, and the Vikings. And then the last couple weeks, we've looked at the Buccaneers, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Giants. So today, we get to continue that kind of deep dive with the Washington Commanders and the Buffalo Bills. So getting started right away with the Commanders, um, their coaching and front office changes. I don't really want to talk about the commander's front office because I have no respect for their owner, but uh, here it goes. Uh, The coaching staff has stayed virtually the same with Ron Rivera, defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, all are entering their third season with the team. Front office had a little bit of turnover. Uh, Martin Mayhew became the team's general manager. And it's cool. He played for, the the franchise in 1989 to 1992 he was part of their super bowl 26 squad where they beat the buffalo bills um and fun fact the buffalo bills were also the team that drafted him in the 10th round so fun when the teams that were we're talking about kind of combined together Uh, but then they had marty herney also become the team's executive vice president of football and player personnel 
this past off season. So Andrew, why don't you tell me about some football things that are talk that are happening with the players and not the front office? Yeah, so the front office uh, did have a few players walk out the door. Uh, one of them was longtime guard Brandon Scherf, who ended up in Jacksonville. Their quarterback, Kyle Allen, who has played on and off uh, here and there over his uh, first several seasons in Washington, ends up on the Houston Texans. And they lose a couple of defensive linemen, Matt, Matt Ioannidis and Tim Settle. Uh, Ioannidis goes to the Panthers. Tim Settle ends up in Buffalo. And, of course, we'll get to talk about him later in the show again. Uh, but Scherf was one of the best guards in the league. But injuries have been a problem the last couple of seasons. And, you know, the team moves on and they're going to try to replace him. We'll talk about how they're attempting to do that a little bit later on. And then they lose some talent up front in Ioannidis and Settle. Um, both pretty quality players. I, I really like Matt Ioannidis a lot. Tim Settle has, has quietly been a, a productive player in his career. Uh, but that defensive line is one of the best in the whole NFL. So I don't think it's going to be overly devastating for them to lose guys who are essentially depth pieces, even if they are really talented ones. Yeah, so then as far as re-signings are concerned, um, only a couple for the the commanders at this point. Uh, Running back J.D. McKissick, uh, tackle Cornelius Lucas, and then wide receiver Cam Sims. So they brought back J.D. McKissick after an injury-plagued 2021 season. He started only three games, played in 11, but he accumulated over 600 yards from scrimmage with four touchdowns. And it looked like he was heading to Buffalo, actually, for the 2022 season. Um, but he decided to return to Washington instead. Uh, Cornelius Lucas returned to the team as a backup tackle. And then, of course, um, Cam Sims is competing for a roster spot in kind of a you know a pretty deep wide receiver room at this point uh, after having a two-touchdown season. So a lot of depth pieces here that they were re-signed. Yeah, the McKissick to Buffalo thing was really intriguing. When, when I heard the news that he initially signed that deal, which, of course, then fell through, um, I was thinking, well, J.D. McKissick just became one of the most valuable running backs in all fantasy football. Because given the amount the Bills pass and given how good of a receiver J.D. McKissick is, um, that would have been wild. But certainly an, an interesting uh, room there um, with, of course, Antonio Gibson. And then we'll talk about their their draft class in a little bit. But um, some of the free agency additions that they had, they signed two guards. Andrew Norwell comes over from Jacksonville and Trey Turner from Pittsburgh. They get defensive end F.A. Abada from Buffalo. Weird that these two teams have so so many players going back and forth. Um, and then also a wide receiver, Alex Erickson, who is with the Panthers, who is a uh, Wisconsin alum as well. So you may know that name. He got his career kicked off in Cincy. Uh, but the commanders basically ended up just swapping one former top guard with injury history for another as Scherf heads to Jacksonville. And then Andrew Norwell comes from Jacksonville up to Washington. So a little bit of an uh, uh, informal trade there. If Norwell can regain his form to what he was as a player with the Carolina Panthers, it would be a steal for the commanders. And then Trey Turner, kind of essentially the same thing, right? Like guy with a lot of injury history, his career was going really, really well. And then all of a sudden he he hit a bit of a roadblock. So, you know, after that quiet year he had in Pittsburgh, he's going to try to rejuvenate his career. And I think if Washington can get a full season out of one of those two players, they should be in decent shape up front. Um, and then, of course, the other big player acquisition that we haven't even mentioned yet is the trade for quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, they ended up the swapping. Yeah, they ended up <laughs> swapping second round picks with the Colts and then giving them a third round pick um, and then a conditional third rounder in 23. And the commanders got a seventh round pick back. So basically what that all boils down to is they swap second round picks and then they give up two two thirds. Now, if Carson Wentz plays well. 
Like, that is a real steal. Um, but if he kind of continues the trajectory of what he was in Indy last year, um, this could just kind of continue the mediocrity that Washington has faced in their quarterback room. Personally, I'm always intrigued by Carson Wimps. Wentz, uh, he was well on his way to an MVP when he got hurt with Philly. And then, like, you know what happens, right? Nick Foles goes on, leads him to the Super Bowl championship. Um, and then Wentz kind of comes back from that injury. is never really the same. So what does he bring to Washington? He's going to make some tremendous plays. And then he's going to make some plays that cost you the game. And essentially, to me, he's a B-plus version of Kirk Cousins. And the difference now is, you know, he's lost a lot of the athleticism that helped him early in his career. When he would get into situations where he would have, you know, taken off and run in the past, now he's trying to force the ball into windows that he's not going to find a lot of success in. And so, um, Maggie, I know you found some interesting numbers in looking at what the commanders have in Wentz versus what they had from Taylor Heineke. Yeah, so I was just like genuinely curious when we started this process, what the numbers looked like, because I know, you know, if you watched the playoff game a couple of years ago with Washington and Tampa, the hype around Taylor Heineke was that he could be like the franchise guy, a diamond in the rough, kind of like, you know, uncovered prospect. And then he had kind of a 2021 season where he came down to earth. So just some really similar numbers between Heineke and Wentz that I thought were interesting. So the caveat here, of course, is that Wentz played one more game than Heineke, um, but almost identical completion percentage, couple more attempts for Carson Wentz. Um, Yards are very similar, about 100 yards different. Uh, The difference, though, comes at their touchdown and interception rate. Carson Wentz was 27 touchdowns to seven picks. Taylor Heineke had 20 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. But And Carson Wentz, of course, has a better pass rating in 94.6 to Heineke's 85.9. But just looking at, like, yards per attempt, they both had 6.9 exactly. Um, Completions were 322 to 321. So just some kind of really interesting numbers where it makes you wonder how much of an upgrade Carson Wentz actually can be if the front office was dissatisfied with Heineke's production. Yeah, absolutely. I think you also had to factor in that Carson Wentz was playing behind a better offensive line in Indy with a a really strong running game. And and that's going to help you in not being forced into a lot of bad positions of which Taylor Heineke was forced into a lot of bad positions. And yes, he made more mistakes. He threw, you know, eight more interceptions, but I, I also think the situation was different. And so I, I think that's fair, you know, what you're saying that calls into question how much of an improvement Wentz can really be over Heineke. So I guess we will see. But uh, do you want to talk about their draft class a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So first round, Washington takes Jahan Dotson, pick number 16 overall. In the second round, they go after defensive tackle Fedarian uh, Mathis from Alabama. Third round, uh, they stick with Alabama and take a running back, Brian Robinson. In the fourth, they grab safety Percy Butler out of Louisiana. In the fifth, they have two selections. They take quarterback Sam Howell out of North Carolina, who slid a little bit. Um, And then they take tight end Cole Turner out of Nevada. Then in the seventh, they grabbed guard Chris Paul out of Tulsa and corner Christian Holmes out of Oklahoma State. So to me, the the and I guess to probably everybody that watches football, the Washington receiving core was just not good in 2021. J.D. McKissick, who we talked about, you said what kind of a threat he was as a receiver. Um, he was second on the roster in receiving yards behind only Terry McLaurin. And that was by a difference of almost 700 yards. It was like 1,000 for Terry, 
and then a couple hundred for McKissick. So the Dotson signing was necessary to bolster that receiving core. Um, And then you're getting back a healthy Curtis Samuel as well. The commanders already, you kind of talked about it, had a nasty front four made up of four former first-round picks. You've got Chase Young, Darren Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Montez Sweat. So Mathis is a really nice kind of rotational piece as a second-rounder behind that bunch, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be a starter because you've already got four first-round selections there that are really damn good players. Brian Robinson should see some reps right away, I would think, as the team's third running back. And maybe, you know, just maybe the commanders are looking towards the future with the fifth round pick of Sam Howell, assuming Carson Wentz doesn't have this like career rejuvenation in Washington, and which would be his second fresh start in just as many years. Yeah, and I wasn't necessarily super high in Jahan Dotson because I thought he would struggle separating. But we'll see how he performs as a number two receiver, because I think you know, rather than coming in with the expectation of being a number one, Terry McLaurin is going to take a lot of that focus off of him and he's going to get more favorable corner matchups. So I think that could really work towards Jahan Dotson's um, advantage. And and the pipeline from Alabama to Washington continues. Like Packer fans want to joke about Georgia to Green Bay. Um, my goodness, look at Washington's draft record and Alabama players. Uh, just on the interior defensive line, uh, you know, you talked about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne, both former Alabama players. And now they add another interior defensive lineman in Federian Mathis. Um, and I thought Brian Robinson was kind of an A.J. Dillon type player. I'm not saying he's at that same level, but he's going to bring something very different to the running game. I, I think, you know, Sam Howell is a lottery ticket. Non-first-round quarterbacks typically are very hit or miss, but if you hit on anything there, right, like maybe he's the next Kirk Cousins uh, taking him, you know, in in this case in the fifth round, um, that you you can get out of that. That would be an incredible value. Uh, I thought, you know, guard Chris Paul um, was a sneaky good late-round pick as an interior offensive lineman prospect, and especially given what Washington brought in in free agency, somebody who hopefully can sit and learn behind two, two savvy veterans. So, um, yeah, interesting draft class for sure. Yeah. So then of course that begs the question for the commanders, did they get better or worse going into 2022? Yeah. I'm still a little bit stunned at how bad their defense was last year. They have like just a ton of talent and we will see if the pressure up front can get back to the 2020 level. But the secondary is still a major concern. I think on offense, you have to think they will be better, but will the Carson Wentz mistakes end up hurting them in important situations? So overall, I'd say this team is better, but they are really relying mostly on the same key pieces as the last two seasons. Yeah, to me, I think the success of this team is really hinging on that quarterback position. I love Ron Rivera as a person, but he's got his work cut out with like for him, you know, trying to get the most out of Carson Wentz and the rest of this roster. You got star potential on the defensive front, obviously. Scary Terry is a monstrous weapon on offense, but the rest of the depth chart needs to pull its weight at that point then um, if the franchise wants to get out of this like 7-10 and purgatory. So on paper, I think you could argue that the additions move the needle more than their subtractions do. So, you know, by that logic, the commanders would have gotten better, but it's hard for me to see them doing much better than that same kind of record right around five. 500 that they had last season. Yeah, so I get to transition us over to the Buffalo Bills. 
Um, and taking a look at their coaching and front office changes, then not a ton there, but Sean McDermott returns as head coach. Leslie Frazier is back as defensive coordinator, despite getting some interviews for head coaching gigs. Uh, but the big move, when we talked about this last week, was Brian Dayball left for the head coaching gig with the New York Giants. And uh, former Miami Hurricane and NFL quarterback Ken Dorsey, who is his who is Dable's quarterback coach last year in Buffalo, uh, takes over as the Bills offensive coordinator. So there was some shuffling of position coaches with Dable taking some of his staff uh, with him to New York. But an interesting hire is Joe Brady taking over as the quarterback coach, which somehow I missed in all of the news of the offseason. Brady was considered a future NFL head coaching uh, prodigy two years ago coming from LSU, but his stint in Carolina fizzled that momentum a little bit. If he can regain some of that, I, I think he could help Josh Allen's continued ascension as a permanent MVP candidate. So um, that's one of those position coaches that really, really sticks out to me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about then their free agency losses that they had, um, which honestly, there were quite a few of them. They had quarterback Mitch Trubisky go to Pittsburgh, a cornerback Levi Wallace also go to Pittsburgh, guard John Feliciano go to New York, uh, running back Matt Breida to New York. Uh, both to the Giants, Harrison Phillips to Minneapolis, wow, to Minnesota, technically, I guess, Minneapolis, uh, Vernon Butler to Vegas, Mario Addison to Houston, and defensive end Jerry Hughes also to Houston. So lots of turnover on that defensive line. To me, losing Levi Wallace is probably the most significant for Buffalo. He was their mainstay at corner. He started all 17 games, had two picks. Uh, Matt Breida wanting to go elsewhere made sense, considering how crowded that Bills backfield is and will continue to be when we talk about their draft. Uh, But that defensive line, I think, is where this team took the bulk of its hits. Phillips, Butler, Addison, Hughes all played between 44 and 55% of snaps on defense. So even though Hughes was really like, the only full-time starter, um, that's a lot of snaps that they're going to need to consider replacing, even if none of those guys were like your every-down defensive lineman. 
Uh, but still unsigned then for the Bills includes wide receiver Cole Beasley, another defensive lineman and star um, Lotulele, right tackle Daryl Williams, wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, and then linebacker A.J. Klein. So Daryl Williams started all 17 games for the Bills in 2021, so that's pretty significant. Beasley had the most targets of his career with the Bills, but his numbers weren't as productive as they were in 2020, and he did only start eight games for the Bills last season. Sanders started 13 games, um, like Beasley, but he also didn't eclipse 700 yards. So that duo had five touchdowns, so certainly a little bit of productivity that they'll need to replace if they do stay unsigned for Buffalo. But the Bills have to like what they have in their current roster behind Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Yeah, and the re-signings list is going to be really short uh, in comparison with what you just went over. Um, And they're all offensive linemen. You have two guards, Ryan Bates and Ike Bocher, um, and then right tackle Bobby Hart. So um, clearly the Bills valued keeping their offensive line depth. I am a little surprised there wasn't a team willing to come in and take Ryan Bates. Uh, who has been a really nice piece for Buffalo. I think, you know, I think of a team like Chicago that needs all sorts of of offensive line depth. Um, it wouldn't have cost a whole heck of a lot, and Bates has some some starting experience and some, some more potential to go. So um, I think that was a key re-signing for Buffalo. Yeah, so I think you're just trying to make me talk a lot this episode because I have the additions now to the roster, and there are Quite a few of them. So I just talked about the losses, obviously, to that defensive line and the wide receivers. So we knew kind of where the additions were coming, where the Bills would add to those spots. Um, I think the biggest surprise was probably Von Miller coming in. Uh, Defensive tackle Daquan Jones. Defensive tackle Tim Settle, who you talked about earlier. uh, Guard Roger Saffold. Tight end O.J. Howard. Wide receiver Jamison Crowder, running back Duke Johnson, and wide receiver Tavon Austin. So Von Miller and Daquan Jones will come in as immediate starters for the Bills. And Tim Settle is that really nice value um, depth piece behind that defensive line. ESPN is already listing Roger Saffold as the Bills' starting left guard, which is where he's played the bulk of his career. So that's a nice addition for them. And then you round out the skill positions. I love O.J. Howard as a compliment to Dawson Knox. Duke Johnson finds himself in a really crowded backfield. And then you've got Crowder and Austin who will be competing for a spot behind Diggs, Gabriel Davis, and then Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah, absolutely. And and so then, you know, the Bills added to the team through the draft as well. And uh, in the first round, they took cornerback Kyrie Elam out of Florida. In the second, they get running back James Cook out of Georgia. In the third round, they went with linebacker Terrell Bernard from Baylor in the fifth round, they took wide receiver Khalil Shakir from Boise State. In the sixth round, they took punter Matt Ariza from San Diego State. Uh, and then they had two more sixth-round picks, cornerback Christian Benford from Villanova, offense tackle Luke Tenuta from Virginia Tech. And then they wrapped it up in the seventh round with linebacker Balin Spector from Clemson. And to me, this is a really interesting class. Like, I was not necessarily the biggest fan of Kyrie Elam, but for a team that struggled mightily in the secondary when Trey White got hurt, adding a second corner with a lot of raw tools seemed like a must. And Elam has the physical profile that would make you think he has a chance I'm not saying he's going to be, but a chance to be like Eric Stokes. Um, that expectation is wildly unfair for a rookie corner. Stokes was just super, super impressive last year, of course. Um, but, you know, they're they're going to be looking for somebody to play opposite of Trey White. To me, James Cook is a really fun running back. He is fantastic as a receiving threat. And I think he's going to shine in this Buffalo offense. I talked about, like, 
theoretically how good J.D. McKissick could have been. I think James Cook fills some of that role, maybe not quite that level of receiver if you are, um, but he has a dimension as a runner that McKissick just simply doesn't have it. So I loved that pick. Um, I was surprised they took Terrell Bernard in the third. I'm thinking they wanted a second thumper at linebacker for when teams go heavy and try to run right at them because they don't really have that with like Matt Milano as a second linebacker. Um, So, you know, looking at Indy, Baltimore, Tennessee, potentially on their schedule and in the playoffs, um, you know, it's nice to have that second heavy hitter linebacker. I think Khalil uh, Shakir is an interesting wide receiver prospect. And then, you know, Matt Ariza, his nickname is Punt God. So what's not to like about that? Plus, hey, shout out San Diego State University alum Matt Ariza. Yeah, I think you're planning this where you're getting to talk about all the uh, the uh, San Diego State alums. Sure. But uh, so of course we get to our question: Did they get better or worse? Yeah, I think this team is better, and and that is saying something. I I believe truly that they are the most talented roster in the entire NFL. Now, that being said, the AFC is stacked, so it doesn't guarantee anything, but I really, really do like this team. And I think the Packers-Bills matchup is absolutely a potential Super Bowl preview this year. Yeah, I think the Bills got better. And, you know, you just said it. They were Super Bowl favorites in 2021. They're going to remain Super Bowl favorites in 2022. Their additions far surpassed their losses. Although, you know, I'm interested to see this offense now under new coordinator Ken Dorsey. Um, But I've got this game circled on my calendar as the Packers matchup that I'm absolutely most excited about in 2022. And I think without a doubt, you know, the AFC East is Buffalo's division to lose, even though through this process, we've kind of noticed that the AFC East as a whole has still managed to get better. Absolutely. So the Packers face uh, Washington in week seven. That game is in Washington and is a noon central time kickoff. And then in week eight, it's Green Bay at Buffalo with a 3.20 p.m. central kickoff. I would imagine that game is going to be one of the highlights of week eight around the NFL uh, and quite a cool matchup to see between the two small markets uh, in the league as well. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and rate the podcast. We, uh, You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself. Uh, Kyle will be back every Friday, and next week we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com